Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Threat Talk. I'm your host, Bob Hansman. Now, the shift to Network Edge is transforming the work environment, but there's so much information about it, including some confusing marketing messaging, that many are unclear about why it matters, what it costs, and how they should go about assessing and altering their own operations. So the senior PMM for Cloud Managed Core Network Solutions at Infoblox, Rod Dixon, is joining us today to talk about the shift to the edge and provide some thoughts that can help anyone trying to make their decisions about this transition. Thank you for joining us there, Rod. Yes. Hello, Bob, and thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, and we're really glad to have you here. Uh, your expertise is, uh, particularly on the networking side, this is a security show, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, the network is what we all need to have visibility of for our security to work. And as networking changes, particularly this concept of edge, um, that means that our security has to adapt to it. Now, the phrase network edge is thrown around a lot and in many different ways, as I kind of alluded to in my introduction. And because of all the hype around it, a lot of vendors are trying to hitch their wares to the edge. Everybody says, you know, oh yeah, we are now this edge and that edge. So could you start us out with kind of a core definition of what the network edge is and why it even matters? Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you're 100% correct. There, there is quite a bit of noise around the edge and what it's all about. But you know, basically think of it this way. Uh, if you think back on where we have been for decades, the focus has primarily been on the data center and you know, expanding the data center, managing the data center, gaining access to the data center, et cetera. And the, the users, think about you know, folks like you and I who've been around a while, the users basically access the data center via VPN or some kind of dedicated line, some kind of dedicated resource. Well, now what's happening is that this, and think of it, the, the network as concentric circles. You've got the data center in the center and you've got sort of the access network. And then on the outer perimeter, the outer edge, if you would, is another area or, or region. And that's the region where we all live, work, and play. That's where everything happens. Well, now, if you look at that outer region or that network edge, that is essentially connected to all of us through uh, the internet. Okay, so instead of having lease lines and direct lines, we're now directly connected to the internet and call it third-party access to corporate resources. So the network edge is where controlled lockdown resources end and third-party resources begin. However, the challenge now is the fact that we're all accessing the network through the network edge. Well, and the issue is that we're only doing that for some applications. I mean, you and I know there's a couple of companies out there that have amazingly gone like 100% cloud. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of people that, you know, can claim to be all one or the other. But the bottom line is the vast majority of the world is hybrid. They've got some things that are still in their data center, some things that are in a cloud where they've set up a virtual data center. Some things are third party. And um, the challenge on the security side with all of this is that they have different security apps for all three of those situations and mm -hmm. and it yes. gets to be a mess so you know the use cases you know that are driving uh a lot of this adoption it used to be like application by application that used to drive the move 
But there are a number of companies that they are just deciding, no, we are, everything is going to be edge and we're going to uh, address everything and treat everything that way. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and that's primarily due to the growth in, in another related category, and that's edge computing where the whole concept behind edge computing is moving your resources, your compute resource, your storage resources, and all of your access points closer to where business actually happens, closer to where the individuals are. Well, when you do that, you've now just expanded your reach from a, a management control and a security perspective. So the, the activity around the edge is really driven by edge computing. And I think that's important. I think it's important yes. to keep in mind because you you bulleted it out really nicely. Um, like computing, we're not talking about you have an app and so it's computing. No, people are using uh, using it for apps, but they are doing other things. Uh, cloud yes. storage, they're using it for their own applications and driving the computational work and 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 the, that overhead to the cloud for the scalability, reliability, all those reasons people go cloud. But it's not just apps. And that was the thing that when Edge came out, really hot like five, six, seven years ago is all about, you know, you're using cloud apps, you're using salesforce.com, you're using, you know, uh, Dropbox. Microsoft 365, yes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot mm -hmm. more than that now. Yes, it's a lot more than that. Pretty much everything that we do to one degree or another is all around edge computing and activity at the edge. The classic example that most people cite is of course self-driving cars, which are becoming more and more popular in major city centers like San Francisco and New York, et cetera. But with self-driving cars, you can imagine and you can envision if all of the compute and storage and decision-making activities happened in some centralized location, there would be quite a few more accidents. <laughs> but what's happening is that all of those activities are now being pushed to the edge, in this case, to that that uh, uh, autonomous vehicle in order to make the decisions based on previous knowledge and artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, so all of that activity happens there. So you're right, it's not just SaaS-based applications and other solutions, but it's also more practical solutions as well. Now the SaaS applications were easy to justify. How is this better than just doing it the traditional way and racking some servers? I mean. Servers have gotten cheap, you know, uh, there's a half dozen places you can buy them online. Um, it used to be, you know, business computers, you went through very specific channels, but everybody has them now. Um, why is moving to the networking edge going to be better than the, the way we've done it all along? Well, I mean, there are, there are a couple of reasons, but the here again, the most commonly cited is, of course, the ability to use resources that are not your own. So we talked about the use of the cloud itself. Uh, the, just the ability to use cloud solution providers and hyperscalers divorces the IT organization from having to purchase and, and scope, manage, update, control their own individual resources, but they can still get things done. In fact, it's actually more efficient to use resources that are not your own because you, of course, have the the inevitable ability to scale up and scale back. When you think about retail establishments during holiday periods of time, it's important for them to scale up their resources because access to their sites and other locations and other activities, online purchases, et cetera, 
increase dramatically. But come you know, January 1st, 2nd, 5th, or the third week in January, things scale back pretty significantly. So if they had to, of course, purchase based on their highest peak, for the majority of the, the 11 or 10 or 11 months out of the 12 of the year, they're not using their resources. And if they are, then, of course, they, they are going to have issues when they come to that peak period. So when you think about activity at the edge and utilizing services outside of your own, you can see significant benefits. So the expectation from the organization is, is a certain amount of flexibility. What are some of the other expectations people have for going to the network edge? One of the big reasons is, of course, anytime, anywhere access. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I'm sure you are as well, and many of our peers are as well. And, and that allows us to use our own devices or alternative devices to the traditional. In the old days, <laughs> and you know, I'm speaking as if we're talking horse and buggy here, but in the old days, we had to use our desktop computers that were tethered to the wall through some type of network connection, typically RJ45 or coax. And that's how we did work. That's how business was done. If we left the office or left the cubicle in those days, we lost access to business resources. Now, today, as users, as employees, as partners, as even customers, we can access business critical software solutions and perform business critical activities, even from our own handheld devices, whether it's a mobile phone or a tablet or some type of laptop or you know, any type of, of solution, you can quickly respond to a Slack request or you can send a text message back to your peer. You can have a, 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 um, a Zoom call, whatever the case may be. All of this is happening at the edge, providing more flexibility to the user, providing you know, more reliable connectivity than before. It's just significantly better than we've been. So that gives the user kind of like on-demand access to the tools they want, no matter where they're at. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we want. We want that work-life balance. Up until this point, it's been elusive because of the fact that work-life balance meant you worked in one location and you had your life in another location. Well, now, if you essentially want to really and truly balance that, that work in that life, you have significantly more flexibility. So all this, I mean, so all of this sounds really great, but as we all know, everything comes at a cost. So Absolutely. what are the challenges? <laughs> what are the challenges that we're going to really face if somebody wants to embrace all of this goodness? Yeah, the biggest challenge is, and if you think about it again, from the, the network diagram that we helped to frame at the beginning of the discussion, more of the concentric circles, if you would. The center circle, if you if if we we think about it that way, was easily controlled. It was bound by not only the walls of the organization, but in many cases, the actual walls of the data center. The data center was on raised floors; it was locked, and anything outside of the data center was taboo, and they didn't have to worry about it. All they focused on was, of course, what went on inside those walls of the DC. Well, as we now look at the, the network and we look at not just at, uh, dispersion of the network, but mass dispersion at a, at a rapid pace of the network. And we mentioned uh, in, in some of the other circles that we have been, individuals now are looking at things 
such as, hey, I want to work from home 100% of the time. Well, that home location just became a distributed site or distributed location for that corporate network. And that's happening across the board. Thanks to things like global pandemics and other things, that's expanding significantly more rapidly than before. Secondly, management. If we want to ensure the individuals have anywhere, anytime access, and it's performing at the level that they're expecting it to perform, then essentially they need to increase their ability to manage these, these disparate locations. And then lastly, security. How do I control access? Who has access? What do they have access to? How long do they have that access? And what happens if there is a breach? How do I shut access down? Yeah, because um, zero trust is really hard to uh, um, kind of enforce when the device is in an area you don't even know about. Um, and as you you started out talking, I was thinking uh, we had, uh, I think it was about four or five months ago, we had another uh, networking guru, um, Bob Rose, who uh, was talking about visibility, just trying to see what's going on beyond the boundaries of that inner circle that you talk about, you know, when when they are working from home or the traditional road warrior, you know, being able to have that visibility just for either networking management or from um, a security standpoint, visibility is key. Um, and, and it's extending your attack surface. You know, that's the concept of uh, the fact that when they were inside the building, they first have to get through, you know, the firewalls and all those things you've got in your building. But when they're working from home, what firewall do they use? I mean, every employee is going to do something different and, um, and may not even configure it right. So uh, exactly. yeah, I can see that from an organization standpoint. Yes, everyone has different internet service providers. They have different speeds and feeds. Uh, there are some that are more security conscious, so they lock down their access to, to their broadband uh, provider, and there are others who are not. So there are all types of, of opportunities for exposure that haven't been there in the past. So there's significant benefit from a user standpoint in getting business done with partners and newly acquired entities, et cetera, because it's just through the network. But there are also challenges when you look at securing that environment as well. Yeah, because I know as a user for years, the biggest hassle I had was, oh, I'm not in the office, so now I have to bring up my VPN client. I've got to connect. Yes. I've got to hope in, in when I got into this, you had to really hope that no more than 24 people were using the VPN at that time because that was the <laughs> maximum number it would accept. Uh, I think a lot of that went away when uh, COVID hit because all of a sudden everybody said, give me a thousand users on my VPN. That was right. one of the biggest expenses. Uh, VPN stock, I think, went up really well the first few months of, uh, of COVID. But, Absolutely. you know, there's, there's still got to be some sort of a hassle factor for the users or how seamless is this becoming for a user once you move to the edge? Well, it's, you know, it's quite seamless because most of the connections today are what we refer to as DIA or direct Internet access. So I can literally connect to corporate resources without going through VPN. Of course, I have to go through you know, various security measures to gain you know, access to the corporate network, but I'm directing all of my queries, if you would, 
directly to the corporate network and corporate environment through my internet service provider. Once I'm authenticated as a user, then I get access to those resources and then I shut everything down once I'm done for the day. So, you know, the days of VPN and of course, uh, also the need for, you know, back in the, the days even prior, ISDN and dial-up, right? Those days are over. Yeah, I, I remember ISDN in particular. Um, that was a real pain because <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be something wonderful. And then I found out it's just twice as fast as dial-up because that's all it was, was two dial-up lines. To that's exactly together. right. Exactly. But I want to go now to the exactly. solution side of things. We're about halfway sure. through, so let's switch to the solution side because we've already talked about how it's not just applications. Uh, in the early days when people said edge and they meant, you know, we're now going to have SFDC in the cloud. We're now going to do this in the cloud or that. In cloud. They found all these cloud apps. The security and some of those other burdens could be pushed on that vendor. But now when our own in-house, so to speak, uh, capabilities are now cloud-based and some are still on-prem and some are et cetera, et cetera. When we've got this um, real mixed hybrid hodgepodge of, of everything could be everywhere owned by anybody. What are kinds of the solution? What are the kinds of solutions that we need to be looking for to, uh, to solve this? I mean, it's been around for a while. I mean, is it like by these three types of solutions you've done, just get CASB and you're okay. Um, what, what are the solutions like? Yeah, just walk down the aisle in, in the uh, networking and security store and pull things off the shelf and put them in your cart. Yes, that's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know, it, it comes down to a very simplified way of thinking. The first thing is you have to think of it, think of, and we all, all of us in networking, we all learned about the OSI stack. And, you know, you start with the physical layer and then, you know, you layer on top of that and you layer on top of that. And eventually you get to the application layer at top, layer seven. So if you think about it from a, a layered approach, think the foundation is core networking services. Core network services essentially provide you with a couple of things. DNS, which we know is the, the telephone book of, of the internet, and it's it's you know how things get resolved, IP addresses, host names to IP addresses, et cetera. So without DNS, nothing happens. Uh, DevOps, uh, you know, connectivity, nothing happens. Also DHCP. DHCP is that key tool that, ha that happens to provide IP addresses for anything and everything that needs to connect to the network. And we can configure it accordingly so it provides the right address to the right subnet and the right uh, network, et cetera. And then IP address management. You need some way to manage the proliferation of those devices. And it's not an Excel spreadsheet. So you have to have some kind of intelligent management-based software. So if you think of those three things as your core network services, you can now layer on top of that. Because the purpose of the network is to connect things so that they can talk to each other yes. and coordinate. And without IP addresses on your own network, without DNS so that you can go beyond your, your physical network and now connect to other things at other edges, not really your edge. Um, yeah, you, you, you've got to have that foundation or you're not going to be able to communicate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you think of solutions like, uh, you know, cloud and SaaS-based apps, the network services provide that discovery, the visibility and the automated inventory management to support those cloud apps. If we talk about the software defined perimeter or ZTNA, if you would, it provides the, 
the identity and the context for policy enforcement. Policy enforcement never happens unless you can actually tie it to an IP address back to this is Rod's device or Bob's device. So that IP address management and that level of, of context helps the security perspective as well. So fortunately, these services can be deployed across the distributed site. So instead of having it centrally located, I can deploy the devices necessary to support these core network services at the edge. Again, closer to where the business actually happens. And the, the beauty of this is that it can be centrally managed from a cloud-based interface that's provided, you know, uh, provides anywhere and anytime access that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I'm starting to see some reality in uh, that promise of central management. I mean, it's been around for 20 years. Um, I remember one vendor talking about how they provided this security tool, that security tool, and they had this special yes. thing to coordinate all of your security, including third-party products. But if you actually got it, only half of their products even worked under the platform. Uh, right. And uh, so the idea of central management, I mean, today we've got SIMs. Um, we now have, uh, I think SOAR is finally reaching that point for automation that mm -hmm. um, uh, not just for security automation, but it can op also automate things like just, hey, we need to spin up a, a, a test server or we need to spin up a new website to support a promotion. You mentioned things like at Christmas time or other times a retail outlet might need to all of a sudden have specialized, um, you know, more devices, more uh, uh more processing power in some sort Absolutely. of a cloud environment. But a lot of the tools um, that I've been looking at, they, now the core networking one seems to be coming along pretty well, but I still see a lot of security tools where people are using CASB for certain parts of their network. And then for the internal stuff, they're really crossing their fingers and hoping VPN covers it all. Uh, they're still using a mishmash of tools. So would you agree that we still are while we've made really good progress that we're still probably in the early days of getting the edge uh, locked down for both performance and security? And under control, I, I definitely would agree. And, and let's face it, we have to start somewhere. And the, the recent pandemic really forced the hand of these organizations to look at these type of tools, deploy them, modify and adjust based on the gaps that were exposed as a result of deploying these solutions. And we can see that we have progressed significantly further in a shorter period of time than we would have if we did not have the forcing function of the pandemic. So absolutely, yes, I do see, see improvement, but we do have a little ways to go. Yeah, because the concept of the edge is not totally new, just the way we refer to it now. Um, I mean, we've right. always had road warriors uh, back in the 1990s, uh, early, you know, millennium years, I remember traveling and if I needed anything, I'd log in through VPN and even that didn't work all the time. And so I just had to go without. And even if I did, there were certain applications I wasn't even allowed to access because my laptop wasn't considered a secure enough endpoint to That's connect right. to it. You know, compared to today, we trust people's mobile phones and tablets. That's right. We're letting exactly. any device connect. You know, 20 years ago, that wasn't allowed um, because they treated the remote and off network situation as a temporary, special, unique situation. And if there's certain things you needed to do, I had to call somebody on the phone and say, can you do this for me? Because I wasn't allowed to remote. 
But the shift right. in just this last little while, and it, was, it was happening pre-COVID, but COVID drove it, I think, and accelerated it where we now need to give everybody access to everything they need to do their job, regardless of where they are. And that's very, why very those tools point. aren't there yet, because they were originally designed to deal with that temporary situation. And now it's a permanent situation. A one-off. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and I'm sure we can all remember common operating environments, PCCOE was a, a pretty common term. And if you use any device that didn't have the common operating environment stack on it, you, of course, were considered a one-off, for yeah. sure. Now, we've covered a lot of ground, very little time, um, tried to bounce around and cover a couple of key bases. But what would you like our audience to to be their key takeaway from the this particular podcast? Well, I mean, it's it's simple. Networking in the network world as we know it has changed. Things are very different than they were just a mere five to seven years ago. So the way in which organizations attack the various requests that come into their organization has to change as well. It used to be, as we just said, a no, and you're a one-off, and let's figure out how to give you that, that one-off access, but now it's the norm. So they have to think about the way in which network topologies are designed, deployed, managed, secured, and controlled. Because the, the, the edge is happening, whether organizations want to embrace it or not, and customers and suppliers are embracing it. So in order for companies and organizations to maintain that competitive edge and even competitive parity, they have to embrace it as well. So the key takeaway here is embrace the edge, look for tools to help manage, control, and secure the edge, and identify ways in which to help those vendors continue to improve on those tools. Thanks. And I want to point out to our audience, there's a couple of resources. We don't normally do this, but Rod's been uh, doing a lot of work on edge ne uh, networking edge and how to secure it, how to make it function um, and uh, manage it and so forth. Uh, he's uh, written an article in Dark Reading recently. Um, it was actually part of a special insert where they had five or six different people write it. So uh, Rod was featured there. He also is the co-author of an ebook on uh, the networking edge. And I think you did a webinar uh, as well. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yes. Remembering so that correct. Also on on uh, uh, the edge. So yes, it's been quite a bit of, <laughs> of activity around the edge. So great stuff. Well, if anybody wants to go take a look at those, if you go to infoblocks.com, look under the resource center and just click on podcast, find this podcast. And there in below the description, we're going to put links to all of those resources. So if you'd like to look at a little bit more information, see what else uh, Rod has had to say on this and some other guidance, uh, please check out infoblocks.com under the resource center and look for our past podcasts as well as other podcasts. I mean, hey, uh, I make great content, you know, you know humility aside yes, from you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rod, I really want to thank you for coming on. It's been very enjoyable to have you as a guest today. Thank you so much. It's my, it has been a pleasure, truly a pleasure. Thank you. And I want to thank you, all of our viewers and listeners for your time. And please join us next time as we continue our efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk. <laughs>